Hey, good day to you. Welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, video edition, live video edition. I'm telling you, I I don't do this with enough regularity because every time that I decide to do this, I get so excited and I'm typing out all my notes and like I'm praying and I'm just pleading with the Lord to give me a voice of something to say to his people and to anyone who might listen for that matter. And then all of a sudden, because I set a time, you know, like I'm going to start at 11 Eastern. And so, man, I've got plenty of time. And then I'm just typing and typing. Oh, man, I'm running out of time again. And next thing I know, I'm frantically getting everything set up and ready to do this. And I just feel frazzled. I'm excited. I'm, I'm anticipating God speaking to all of us, myself included. I just get all I get all flustered and like. This is in no way just something really fluid and smooth for me as of yet. Hopefully, maybe we'll get there one day. Now, the audio recordings, man, there's just something different about that. Just me and my recorder and a lot of times just commentary that's somewhere around in here. That's kind of easy for me. Um, But this is a whole nother level. Thank you so much for listening, whether you're going to tune in live or watch Um, the archive feed, whatever it is. Thank you for giving your time. Hopefully you're doing well. It's a beautiful day here and uh, the sun is shining. Birds are singing and uh, you know, the, the, the weirdness continues. Um, Just the, the interesting season that we're in here again on the earth continues to just be extended um, in ways that I'm sure are affecting you some somehow, some way, no matter where you live in the world. Um, I'm sure that in some way it's affecting you. Um, this, today I want to just talk about some stuff that's stirring in my heart that I'm really hoping the Lord will give me the, the right tone, the right verbiage. Something that's from, I would like to say, from his heart. Um, of, of his perspective, of his vantage point towards the posture of his church, of his body, of his representation on the earth, which is, if nothing else, we have to just be general, like this, this wide net. We have to just put that out there from a standpoint of if you consider yourself in the global church, the capital C church, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, if you have been born again, um, you know, if you if you out of your mouth confess that Jesus, Yeshua Messiah, is in fact that Lord, then this is for you. This is for us who say out of our mouths that we are the representation of God on the earth. And can we just sit back right there? And just think about what we're saying. Can we just be careful that in no way are we just casually or flippantly saying what we've said for 30 years, which is we are the church. We're just the church. And and yet we don't constantly examine the condition of our heart in the words of our mouth out of that reality and identity. Friends, we have been given, man, this blows my mind. And then we'll get right into today. But just in this second, and it's just constant for me, the sobering fact that we have been extended to us 
to be the people of God, to be the people of Yahweh God, the eternal creator Elohim of Elohims, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He has no rival. The earth is his footstool. Like this God, the God, seated enthroned upon every other God that ever has been and ever will be and ever is now established in this earth and in the heavenlies and all these different realms and places of governing authorities, he sits easily enthroned. This God, this eternal creator that formed and fashioned every single thing that exists, seen and unseen, has extended an invitation to us, humanity, to be his dwelling place, to be the 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 now moment reality of his glory upon this earth that he created, reinstating what was abandoned by first Adam's fall and rebellion, reinstated by last Adam, Yeshua, that anyone who would come into him, go through him like I've been teaching and saying and learning myself to be in in the kingdom and intimately acquainted with the father again, just like God, the creator's intention with first Adam. It's an incredible responsibility. So from the very beginning, may we, may we realize as we use the verbiage of being the church, being God's people, may we rightly establish the groundwork and the foundation of what in fact we're saying, the invitation reality. And that's what drives me to this point. That's what drives me to this stuff, which is, you know what? We have to, we have to rightly hold our identity. Everything we are, especially as you and I, who were formerly Gentile and grafted into the nation of God reality, we have got to understand what we're saying. If anyone Okay, now listen, Christian America, this is the majority of who listens to this. I understand that. Of, co of course, I live in this nation. Listen to what I'm saying, and this is the crux of what I want to get across today. You, formerly Gentile church, myself, we, we, the formerly Gentile church, the non-Jew reality, do we understand how unworthy we are? Do we constantly move? Okay, so we, we live out our days, what? Constantly remembering the point in the place of, of the inception of receiving the gift of God to redeem us and bring us into him acceptable and pleasing through the Son. Do we now, as maturing men, people who have, who have been in Messiah for years and years, always in the church, Learning, studying to show ourselves approved, advancing as spiritual men, maturing. Do we still at the outset remember that it is an absolute unbelievable privilege that you and I can be the people of God? Completely undeserve it. I don't care what we do on the other side, what we do to be found ones who are pleasing and acceptable in continuing expectation of a maturing son. But do we constantly within that that trajectory of our life, are we constantly remembering, oh, God, I do not deserve to know you. I don't deserve to know you. I don't deserve to walk in your ways. I don't uh, I don't deserve to even observe your commands. I can't do it in myself. 
I have to be empowered by you, brought to truth by you. Everything that I have, that I possess, that I now teach or share or speak or even pray is a gift from you that you reveal to me in your goodness and your kindness. And we rightly and like we gingerly hold anything we possess, truth, revelation, prophecy, biblical authority, identity, all of these things that we are called to, in fact, to walk out rightly and execute every bit of it. We must hold and just continually look at it as, as, at this incredible treasure we've been given and say, oh, God, I, I, I remember. I reflect again. There is a memorial and a marker of when you purchased me in my condition on the outside of your people. I continually remember, oh, God. In my execution of my function here on the earth, I remember my lowly state. I remember my lowly condition. I remember my depravity apart from you and that I'm one degree from getting outside of your ways at really any, any given moment. Keep me hemmed in. Oh, great shepherd, I'm a sheep. You're the shepherd. May I not stray outside of what? The call of your voice, the speaking of your utterance to your sheep saying, hey, stay close, stay close. You are dependent. You always have been and you must remain dependent. Okay. so this morning, today, whenever you're watching this, I just want to talk for for a little bit. Who knows how long it will be? Come and go get you some lunch. Go check on your animals, whatever you do in your life. A shift in perspective. Could the church actually be God's opponent? Okay. Our perspective is very vital. In this hour, perhaps more so than any um, age on the earth that's been around for a while, it's always important. But like right now, I just want to speak with, I want to be candid, but I want to be kind. I want to be, I want to be true and hard, but gentle, because we're all in this, we're all in this pool, if you will. <laughs> all of us, this church, the capital C church, we're all within this pool. All of us in the same circumstance. Now it plays out differently, of course, different experiences, different ways of life. Of course, it all is ever changing for each one of us. It is individually applicable, but we must remember that we are in a plurality of experience of this age on this earth in this moment. So I want to challenge your perspective. I want to ask some questions. I want to talk about many biblical accounts that we have of the challenge of making absolutely sure in any way in my heart, in my life, in my words, man, our words. Holy cow is the conviction of the Lord upon my life and my household right now in regards to the substance of our words. And our words, okay, media people, we have got to be careful, opinion, 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 we've got to be careful with our words, because people are hearing our words, the world is watching, the church's words, and friends, I'm just going to say, I'm going to put this out here, I'm going to set it here to the side, and I'm just going to, in humility, ask for you to look at it in the same way I myself am looking at it, in my own life, I'm going to say, are the words of our mouth, is the word of our testimony 
bringing people to the inclusion of the church? Or, or, or are we building more walls and pushing more and more people out? Because in many ways, we ourselves are promoting an improper division. Because, listen, I would say from the very beginning, division is just exalting another tower, another tower of they're working together now. The principalities and powers are working in unison and many of mankind are coming in and joining into the to the erection of this tower. To be godlike, to be we know what's true. We can take care of this. And what did God do? We know the story. God looked down. He said, what are the what are they doing? I'm going down there. They're ascending to me. They're deifying themselves. We're making our own laws. We're making our own rules. We're saying what is and what is not. God, excuse us. We're building our own way up. God, of course, comes down. He frustrates the plans. The whole thing falls apart. May we not be unified in creating division, friends. I believe the word of the Lord would say that to us. May we not be unified in creating division. I'm going to say that one more time. Don't be unified and yoked with other people who are perpetually promoting division. Christian America, please listen to at least a challenging question. Is there any way in your life, Christian church, that you are so fascinated with promoting what you think is right that in in ways, in your best efforts, you're creating and promoting more division, more hatred, more separation. We have to ask these questions. I'm concerned that well-intentioned people are potentially risking being God's opponent in this hour. I see it in my own life. I see it all over Christian America. And of course, we see it outside of the church, but I'm not talking about the world right now. See, Christian church wants to shift gears so quickly. Pagans, those outside of the church, those who believe in all these doctrines and things of men. And again, I'm not talking Christianity in that sect. I'm talking about let's make a distinction now that this message, this compilation of thought is for the church for the believer just set all of the non-believing nations of the world and the governments of men to the side this is about us as this often is this is generally always about that inward looking inward so as i'm always saying can we propose some questions free from offense because i'm concerned that well-intentioned people People that I know and love, I'm concerned that they're risking fighting against what God is desiring to bring about on this earth, in this hour, in this unique circumstance that we're in. Division, discord, side picking, national disunity, exaltation of what we ourselves side with and tearing down at all costs what we define as the enemy. It's risky behavior. It's risky behavior if our lives are constantly speaking more division. 
more division. Now, I'm all for distinction. If you know this program at all, I'm always talking about come out from among them. Be distinct. Be set apart. Be consecrated. I'm always talking that, but we have to be careful that we we get in here in a microscopic level and make sure we're clarifying what we're saying. We have to be careful that our verbiage in in no way now exalts ourselves to a place of arrogance where we hold the truth. I hold absolute truth. This is not truth. This is not truth. This is not truth. I see truth. Friends, listen. There is falsehood in you. There are lies in you. There is falsehood in me. Why? My perspective can be naturally influenced. It can be altered. Study truth. Yes. Oh, pray in the spirit. Walk as a spiritual man. Yes and amen. And we can mature in this. But listen, we must be careful. Like I just said 10 minutes ago, we have to be careful because we have to remember where we came from, that we are men in flesh and blood bodies. Now, this is in no way saying, well, we're just fallen fleshly men. What can we do? No way. We're not making excuses. I'm saying almost the opposite, which is we need to remember we are men with natural tendencies. That can be swayed. The elect will be, can be led astray, deceived. And so what I want to talk about is some scriptural examples of some different things that I believe are biblical examples of men, godly men, men with awesome intentions, but were actually opponents of God's will. And listen, friends, can we just say that sometimes that is us? Sometimes that is you. Sometimes for sure it is me. I have awesome intentions. If we could just peel me open, man, I have awesome intentions. But guess what? A lot of times because of how I am, my personality, all these things we could all name, I obliterate God's will and way. I come through sometimes like a like a truck out of control down a hill. I'm passionate. I'm zealous. I am consumed by speaking truth. But you know what? Without proper restraint, without proper self-examination constantly, I can blaze through and I can bust down things that God is saying, I built that. (laughs) I erected that jaw. Look, son, I know your intentions. I love you, son. But you know what? Sometimes you're my opponent. Can we not just say that without such, could that be possible that I, me, I could oppose? I studied the Bible three hours today. I prayed. I didn't even eat breakfast. Yes, we can be God's opponent. That's okay. It's okay if we're not using it just as a casual excuse of, hey, sorry, I'm just a fleshly man, you know, whatever. Shouldn't have said that in in maturity now from the outset, from our from our foundational place that we move out of to say the word of the Lord, to teach, to correct, to admonish, to challenge, to question. To just say, hey, I'm in the pool, too. I'm in there, too. And it's okay. I am part of the problem. Listen, we've been watching the series, The Chosen. If you don't know what it is, look it up. You've got to watch it. It will change your life. 
Last night we watched the last episode of season one. It, it always stands out to me how the disciples, especially Peter, of course, in their zeal, are often fighting against Yeshua's ways and plans. Would never intend to. He wants to be a zealous follower of the Messiah. You called me? Yes, sir. that's right. Let's go. Let's do it. Right now. I'll go ahead of you. I'll clear the way. I'll get the bad guys out of the way. Here comes a leper. Hey, stone him. Don't you let him come to Messiah, right? Children. Children are wanting to climb up on Jesus' lap. What do his people, his friends, his disciples do? Get out of here. Leave him alone. He doesn't have time for you. Well-intentioned men like us getting in the way, prohibiting Messiah, literally his opponent. Now, not deliberate. Their hearts were right in most cases, not always. He, he, he got into their heart a lot of times. But let's just say, can we not say that most of the time they had best intentions, but they just didn't know how to play it out. They didn't know how to really come alongside Messiah and literally be his student. They wanted to take the place of the teacher. They wanted to be the rabbi in the sense of like, hey, Jesus, we know what to do. We got this. And Yeshua would come in and say, hey, brother, let the children come to me. Let them come to me. It's okay. Hey, what about these people in the neighboring city over there? They're casting out demons in your name. I didn't tell them they could do that. Jesus, did you tell them they could do that? We're going to go kill them. Jesus, what did Yeshua say? Y'all chill. Calm down. Stop worrying about all this other stuff. You're here with me. Do what I'm doing. Say what I'm saying. Listen and learn. Students, stop being so distracted. But Jesus, they're over there doing all that. Are they, is that okay? They shouldn't be doing that. Yeshua would constantly say, y'all, calm down. Calm, stop being so worried about all these external things that don't have anything to do with you. Guess what, brother? There's a lot more going on in the earth right now than just you. Oh, here's a revelation. Christian America, listen. There is a global world. There is a world of nations and kingdoms of men. It, this is so much bigger than this virus on the earth came to destroy the American economy. I'm, I cannot believe how fascinated mature believers are with understanding what this means to this state or to this nation as if this nation is the earth. Y'all, the earth is Yahweh's footstool. America is a speck of dust on his footstool. We have to understand this. We've got to get this through our thinking We've got to understand we are mere grains of sand on the seashore of the timeline of history of God's inner working with humanity. We've got to find our place. We've got to humble ourselves, lower ourselves to the dirt from where we where we started. and Say, oh, God, I'm nothing. Use me, speak to me, make me an instrument of your glory for your glory, not for this nation's glory. That's so tiny. 
Want to make something great again? Let's make his name great again. Let's exalt his name. Let's magnify and glorify the King of Kings. Let's exalt and raise his banner and put down our flags. This is no mere national issue. This is an eternal issue. How in the world can Yahweh God be rightly exalted in a global people? It's so much bigger than us. But we, like the disciples, we're no different. We're sure not above them. Oh, Lord, may we never think we're, how can those disciples be so blind? Probably the same way I am. We have to be careful of these biblical things that we know now. We could all quote these accounts. I'm going to read some things. Holy cow, I've gotten nowhere. Luke 22, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to Yeshua, Lord, with you I'm ready to go to prison. I'm even ready to die. And he, Yeshua, said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you've denied me three times that you know me. Until you've denied that you know me three times. Okay, Peter, no way, God, Yeshua, no way, Rabbi, I will go to the death with you. I'm set. I'm locked in. I will never, ever waver. I will never deny you. Now, listen, we can't know his heart. We can't know his heart. But one thing we know, he was probably pretty convinced. You know what? There's no way I would leave him. After all the things they had seen and done and walked alongside the miracles, the prophecies, even though they didn't understand half of it, I'll never leave you. Mark 14, 26, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives and Yeshua said to them, hey, close ones, closest to me of any man on the earth, you will all fall away. Why? It's prophesied. It's written. I'll strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though all may fall away, I will not. Everybody else is probably going to leave you. You know what, Yeshua? That's probably true. He's leaving. Oh, you know he's leaving. Not me. Mm -mm. I'm here to the end, Yeshua. Me and you, right? Let's let's just be honest. Me and you. Me and you? Mm Mm-mm. I will never, ever abandon you. Then we see the rest insist the same response in uh, later in the text in Mark chapter 14. Yeshua said, truly, I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all were saying the same thing also. Can we see ourselves here? Can we look inwardly and say that potential is in me? The potential now is in me. John 13, uh, verse 36. Simon Peter said to Yeshua, Lord, where are you going? Yeshua answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now. But you will later. Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Yeshua answered, will you lay down your life for me? 
Truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. These different accounts are the same thing, but I just want to get the point very clear. Peter was convinced now. I will never leave you. I will never oppose you, Yeshua. I will never deny you. I will never, ever, I'm set. Now listen, all of them, yeah, they probably will, but never me. We have to be careful what we say as set as we are, as unwavering as we are. Yes and amen. I I could say that right now. In that follow me call, the very first um, podcast episode that I did 14, 15 months ago was the follow me reality. I feel like I get that. Yes, I have to walk away from every single thing that my heart desires. I have to walk away from my literal identity to go into you, Messiah. When you speak my name, everything falls. Everything is laid down. I get that now. I do. I've got that for a while. Follow me, Joel. But I still have a will that must be continually surrendered. I still have the propensity to be led astray. And even in my zeal, even in my tenacity, never, never, God, I would never, I will never, everybody else may, I will never. We have to just be careful that we hold that. May we have tenacity. May we have that set concrete place. We have to say that, right? Not that we shirk away from being set and established, but we still have to rightly immaturity hold. I still am not above opposing the will of the Lord. I'm not above that. Okay. I've got other stuff I was going to read, man. There is no time for that. We in many ways must acknowledge that sometimes, sometimes we don't fully know what we're saying when we tell Yeshua Yes, I will follow. Yes, I will follow. Yes, I will abandon everything I look at and assess and say, no, uh uh-uh. Children on your lap? No way. Don't get on the Messiah. Hey, y'all over there? Hey, y'all go kill them. They're opposing the Messiah. We have to be careful and listen and sit and silence ourselves and pray and fast and say, what's Spirit saying? Because I might be wrong. I might be wrong and I might actually be opposing the very thing I'm in my zeal trying to advance. How much of us did we surrender when we said, yes, I will follow you? When we said, okay, we will come and die. And how much are we incrementally now along this journey surrendering in the continual process? They left all that they knew the disciples did. Yes, of course they did. Admirable, to say the least. Yes, they abandoned their lives. But we see in their lives the desire to hold on and to cling to their own identity and their lacking understanding. We ourselves, likewise, lack understanding. That's not harmful to me. It doesn't it doesn't lower my position in the Messiah anymore. It used to. It doesn't prohibit me from being who I am. So can the church today, can you, can I still in any way oppose the now working of God on the earth? Yes. 
Yeshua says in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross and he must follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life, we know this text, he has to lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, he said, Yeshua Messiah, he, this man will find it. Good intentioned people, but prohibitors of God's will. Again, I'm talking to the Christian church of this hour, myself included. This is no scolding like, hey, you better take one now from me who has mastered this. I'm, tell, I'm telling myself all of this stuff first. I adjust it all myself first. It has to be that way. Then we do it together. Acts chapter 21, 10 through 14. I think this is a very good applicable account um, of some things that Paul was finding within the church who loved him, who valued his presence, understandably so. Man, when he left places, what do we see in the scripture? People weeping. Oh, Paul, please don't leave us. Please don't go. This is a little more specific, though. As we were staying in Acts 21, uh, starts in verse 10, if you want to follow along. As we were staying, I'm paraphrasing, in Caesarea at the house of Philippi, or Philip, excuse me, the evangelist. They're in his house in Caesarea. They were there for several days. A prophet named Agabus comes, hey, comes down from Judea. Coming to us, he took Paul's belt. He bound his own feet and hands. This is awesome imagery. What an awesome prophecy is incredible when done biblically. He's even made this little visual for them. Hey, Look at this. This is what's coming. This is what the Holy Spirit says now. Okay, so like here's a whole nother level of understanding and discernment to walk in because it wasn't a lie. It's not what Agabus is about to present was falsehood. He's not saying falsehood. Clearly, the Holy Spirit says, okay, this is what's in the word of God. The Holy Spirit says this now. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this bell, Paul's bell. And deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When, when we heard this, all the people listening and watching this prophet Agabus tie himself and bind himself and say, this is what they knew. They made the connection, of course. This is what's going to happen to this man, Paul. So when we heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go up to Jerusalem. Paul answered, after the begging, don't go, Paul. Listen to the word of the Holy Spirit through this prophet. Truth now. Can we? I'm just saying. I'm, I, I, sometimes these things we have to just sit and ponder. Selah. <laughs> okay. Got it. We can't blow by these things. The Holy Spirit says a truth. This is This will come. But Paul says... What are you doing weeping? You're breaking my heart. Love, brethren, I'm not ready only to be bound, but to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent. They gave up. He's, man, he's going anyway. He hears the word of the Lord, truth. He says, it can't prohibit me. It can't keep me from going. And we said, those who were persuaded, he would not be he would not be persuaded. And so they realized, hey, he's going anyway. So they said the will of the Lord be done. Listen, may that be our posture. Even when the word of the Lord comes, when the word of the Lord comes through the prophet, through the Holy Spirit, 
I mean, we rightly assess it. If, man, I hope this is clear. It's clear in here. I hope it's coming out of my mouth. May we have our, our, our opinion. Oh God, don't, don't, don't go this way. People, church, man of God. But if he goes, if things go this way, we fall silent. May the will of the Lord prevail. I will not supersede. They could have tied him up himself themselves they could have no you can't go paul there's no way you're leaving make him stay i don't know something maybe that's just ridiculous but i'm just saying they could have continued this more than a couple verses of record we must absolutely be sure that we ourselves are walking out the follow me reality paul was a good example of that he heard what they were saying he didn't disagree with it he didn't say lies he knew it was the holy spirit he was begged not to go. It says his heart broke, man. These were his family. I said, Paul, please don't go, brother, please. He said, I'm not willing to only be bound. I'm willing to die. And he went. They resigned. The will of the Lord be done, brother. Go. You're going anyway. <laughs> we have limited understanding. We have limited viewpoint. Limited ideals within limited natural mindsets. We have got to continually remember that. It does not have to be a prohibitor. I don't know why I understand this. I really don't. Most of my life, I retreated and retracted in like prophecy even. Feeling the word of the Lord come to me because why? I don't have the confidence to just speak. What if it's wrong? What if it's off? What if it hurts someone? We can't just resign and give up, but we have to get to a place of humble submission of the will of the Lord that may in fact be true, but the response is not up to us. Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. I might be a prohibitor if I'm not careful. I know my place. I present if I'm right, if I'm prepared as a spiritual man to rightly in humility present what I believe is truth. And then Lord, let it be done. You it's yours. As I'm always saying, I'm a flawed vessel of clay. I will speak falsehood. You will too. Your vision and vantage point of what's going on on this earth right now is flawed. I don't know why people have such a hard time saying that Christian America has a hard time of first and foremost, making it absolutely clear I do not possess absolute truth. Why does the world think that the, that the American church is so arrogant and prideful? Because she is. She is. That's why. Because it's true. Because we all know truth. The Baptists know truth. The Hebrew roots know truth. The Methodists know truth. The Catholics surely know the truth. Right? The Jews know the truth. We all know truth so much so we're always divided. We're always divided. We're always torn to pieces, even within the professing body of Messiah. Why? We know truth. We have found truth. You don't know truth. We ourselves, I would say, are the people who wanted to go and eradicate the others who were doing things in the name of Jesus because it wasn't them. 
Can I just say that that's very possibly true for us, Christian America? Hey, they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't vote like me. They don't do what I do. Evil. They've got to go. They don't deserve to even be here. What kind of arrogant thinking is this? Who do we think we are? I mean, really, who do we think we are to think that we are the chosen race of people and anyone who thinks differently than me got to go? Falsehood. Lies. It's the deception of the enemy that has infiltrated itself into the church. The church is as divided, if not more so, than every other people group on the earth. No one can argue that point. The Christian American church is so divided. We know the truth. And if you're not in this movement, in this church, you don't know truth like I know. It's arrogance. It's exaltation of self. And it's it's in opposition of the king. One king. One kingdom. One way now. He's the way. I'm not saying well, anybody can get there however you want to. I'm not saying that at all. And please don't. Please don't presume I'm saying something I'm not. But we've got to be careful that we individually, if everybody was individually taking to heart the follow me call, I think we would find unity. I think we would find it. If we stopped getting online and blasting all these things and calling out, we got it, man, we've got to let everybody know as if nobody's heard these things a million times in a million different versions through a million different YouTube channels. It's the same message. Oh, I know what's evil. I've got to tell everyone. Why? Why? I think there's a warning to the church. I'm convinced. Why in the world? I'm sure. May it come however it needs to, to get to the church at large. I think we're arrogant. I think we're so full of ourselves and puffed up that we have received the oracles of God. It's so, it's so restrictive. It's got to come through us. It's got to come through me. And if you don't believe like me, you're out. You're out. You don't know God. There's no hope for you. I'll pray for you, but not you. You're vile. How did we come to Messiah? I was vile. I was an enemy of God. I hated him. My life was defined by disobedience. I didn't know his law. Didn't care about it if he had one. I was vile and evil. See me 30 years ago. You would have pushed me out and said, evil man, vile, no hope for him. With the message of most of Broadway, American Christianity, enemy, well, what about ourselves? We've forgotten. I'm just saying, could it be possible Christian America has forgotten her, her, her beginning place of need, of vileness herself? Even the whole peoples we started out, the Gentile nation, we've forgotten who we are. Why did these people, as I taught in the Passover series, why were these people saying, we can know Yahweh, we can keep his feast, we can honor Sabbath? We can go into the temple. Are you kidding? I'm a vile pig eater. Yes. Come. Be baptized. 
Be filled with the Spirit. Be transformed. You. Because it's true for me. Because it happened to me. That was Paul's revelation. Shaul's revelation was, holy cow. I never realized it. I was God's opponent. I was persecuting Yeshua Messiah, not his people. Yeshua said, why are you persecuting me? A shift in perspective. A shift in perspective. It must come to us in greater measure, ongoing. It's okay to acknowledge that we ourselves, even as the disciples of Yeshua's time, we today may be ones right by his side, yet ignorant. Lacking the 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 right perspective of perceiving what is right under our nose. We are prone to the same issue. If we're not careful, we can be completely brought into it. The best intentions don't always mean the best results. Division, man, well, I could just, I'm, I don't know. Part of my life is like, we got to come out of this division mindset. The divisiveness of this nation is killing us. As I said this morning, and I have to just say this and just put this out there, like I hear all the time how we need to pray for President Trump. And yes and amen, and I need to do that more than I do. I will admit that all day long. That's a tender place for me, personally. But I never pray, for example, Nancy Pelosi. I'm no politician guy, man. Everybody can just jump off right now. This would actually probably bring people in, but that's not my, that's not me. I've never once been in a gathering of people who have been on their faces praying for her, praying for the opponents of the Republican Party. I've never been in a gathering where people have done that. Oh, God. I mean, like from a heart, heartfelt, like on the floor, like, oh, God, please. I've never, where is that? Well, they're the enemy, Joel. They need, they need taken out. I think I think we're being deceived. I think we're falling into the vast majority's deception that says, you know what? Pick a side. Pick a side and eradicate everyone who opposes you. And listen, the problem with that is my question is, do we have the the do we have the maturity and the discernment level where we can do that rightly according to scripture? I don't know. I've not known of people who can do that. I cannot do that. I can't. And I've not come across anyone that I've been convinced can rightly wield this sword of judgment on God's behalf rightly. I've not come across that. Why? Because everyone I see that I talk to, I see evidence of being swayed to division. I don't see the fullness of, all right, if we're going to pray for the government officials, are we on our faces beseeching the Lord with like, I mean, like denying ourselves on behalf of those who vote for abortion? I mean, like in our heart now, you know, oh, this, this, this towards the, the party we love and then and also help those non-believing idiots who, who vote for everything that opposes the Bible. But I mean that same, that same posture of heart. Oh, God, if you want to turn this nation, well, again, are we a united states? No, we're not. Division rules and reigns here, and the church continues to advance it. 
division. Division. They're bad. They're bad and we're right. We hold truth and they do not. There is error in me. And I'm in the body. There's error in me. There's a wrong perspective in me. We know Yeshua. Mainstream Christianity knows Jesus. We know Jesus. I watched this I watched this part, a snippet of a video the other day of someone that I kind of looked up to. Just slamming people who are returning to the feast and to the Sabbath. I mean, not like, well, I just want to warn you, brother, but like, this is evil. Blew my mind. This is evil. This is darkness advancing in this hour. Are you joking? Blew my mind. What's he saying? Hey, we know Jesus. These people doing these things, they don't know Jesus. So these people doing these things, Hebrew roots movements, Torah, all these things, right? Returning to see uh, Sabbath keeping, feasts. We know Torah. They don't. We know God's law, lawless ones. Well, we, the Jews, we know the law of Moses. We've been keeping the law since our inception. You can have your American Jesus. Division. And that's just scratching the surface. Division, division, division. Everyone's attempting to be right, be right, be found pleasing to God. Zealous, right? Can we just not see what I'm saying? Zealous, zealous for it. Wanting to be found pleasing to God. Pushing our agendas of inversions of truth. But limited limited. We all have pieces of truth. You nor I possess truth. The movement we're in, the fellowship we're in, we do not possess truth in its entirety. We need to shift our perspective. This is why brotherhood matters to me. As I shared about the, when I was hiking that trail the other day, it was an audio edition. You can go to pathdesign.com, check it out, a well-marked path. Short, short audio edition. And I talked about, I felt like the Lord was teaching me some things, so I just started recording. One of the things was the important, I was talking about the, the imagery of taking a hike out in the woods. And if you go very far, you're, you're getting kind of risky. And if you get off the marked trail, you don't know where you are. You lose your bearings and you're vulnerable. And the spiritual implications within that natural understanding. And one of the things that came to me while I was sharing was the importance of letting people know where you are. It's a smart idea if you're hiking, you're out in the AT, you're, man, you're, you might be miles in. You better tell a buddy where you are. You better phone your wife and text her, hey, this is where I'm going to be. Why? It's wisdom. It's, it's just plain common sense. Likewise in the spiritual. Does someone check you? Does someone check on your condition, your status? Do you go to someone and say, hey, hey, brother, you, you want one and say, hey, hey, brother, you, you watch my videos. You hear my rhetoric. You see my Facebook post. Hey, brother, am I in the boundary and confines of being right? Am I getting out here? Am I losing boundaries? 
If I moved out into a place that's not safe for me or for anyone else who's following me, watching me, my son, my wife, my neighbors, because if you see me getting out here, brother, tell me, call me back in. Man, that would man, that would be awesome in the church today. At any level, whether you're seeing your pastor or whether you're floor sweeper, equal words, equal, equal shared authority in that sense of the right to speak to one another. Why? Brotherhood. The necessity of one another to assess, because listen, I could be convinced in myself everything I say is right in myself, in my prayer closet. Man, in my prayer closet, I'm awesome, right? That's easy. God didn't come and, Joel, that's not true. Why? We can get into all that. Sometimes, many times, perhaps always, we need a brother who sees us, watches us, says, hey, I think you're off. Can we be okay with that? Can we survive that out the other side? That's what I'm saying today. Can I say to you, maybe you're arrogant. You can say that to me, and I'll say yes and amen. Arrogance is in me. Lord, forgive me. How do you see it, brother? Help me. I want to be like the Messiah. And listen, if we really want to be like him, these things won't be offensive. How dare you? And I'm telling you, that's what I see Christian America's posture. How dare you? Do you know who we are? Don't you know what I do? Don't you know how I vote? Don't you know? I'm telling you, pride and arrogance is branded upon the church, and rightly so. But it doesn't have to remain that way. We can undo these things if individually we humble ourselves and pray. Why does that scripture matter that everybody's always blasting on the Internet? Because you humble yourself. You abase yourself. You destroy yourself, a contrite heart the Lord can receive. It's broken down into powder, and there's none of you left. You're unidentifiable. You've been lost into the Messiah. You're of value. As I spoke on that Mark Path episode, it's good to let somebody know, this is where I am, brother. For my own safety, check me. Check on me. Every one of us must be careful to be sure that what caters to us in this hour What gives us favor, advantage, exalts us, makes us great, is not what fuels our perspective. National relief, national revival, national success, national economies, national prosperity. Our vantage point, if we're not careful, will be so selfishly small and isolated only to what we see affecting us. This is a global endeavor, if you will, by Yahweh God. This is not just about us. Now, is it about us? Yes. It boils all the way down to us. But what I see is I see Christian America fascinated with what this global event, how it somehow was meant just for us. Like somehow, example, I see with regularity how all of this came to the earth. A global pandemic is on the earth, no matter how you believe it got here or why it's here, is all about the American election. Are you serious? Or this whole global pandemic that God has allowed to come here, at the very least, if not instigated, is to unveil 
bad government in America. Man, that seems so minuscule to me. Yet people are so fascinated and captivated that hours a day they will ingest information that continues to take a global event down to it's just about me. I think we have to be careful with that. I think we've got to be careful that we don't mishandle the self-examination principle. Yes, examine for this grain of sand nation that has only been around for a few hundred years. It's very interesting to me. I'm prone to it myself. I'm prone to it myself to be focused on what about me? How does this affect me? What's God saying about this for me? I have to do that, yes, but that should not be the all-inclusive purpose within the workings of God on the earth. There is a greater perspective for us to have. There's a greater perspective for me to add to my life. Like I said this morning, when I don't have hardly any money in my bank account, I want to go give. When I have issues of anxiety in my life, I want to go pray for someone. You know what I'm saying? We can go on and on. Get out of ourselves. Get out of our own boxes and be Messiah to someone, even our enemies. Brother, you and I disagree. I can't stand you. I can't stand you and everything you stand for. Can I pray with you? Because the only reason I'm who I am is because the Messiah purchased me. I'm no one aside from him. I'm no one. I deserve no good thing. I'm not inherently in him because I was born in this nation. I'm no better than you. I'm nothing aside from him. I think that would do us all good to know our place, find our way, listen in discernment and train our ears to more acutely hear the voice of the shepherd. To be one who gently leads others who wander back into the fold. After they wander, bring them back. Not one who ourselves is wayward, following other voices and distractions. Whether our own voice, our own opinions, our own limited vantage point, or all of the incredible influx of other opinion. Other opinions are like being poured out upon the earth like a flood. And if we're not careful, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of leaven, y'all. I'm just saying, in this season, Passover, first fruits, unleavened bread, counting of the Omer leading up to, leading up to Shavuot, Pentecost. What are we eating? Is there a little bit of leaven in there? I'm telling you, I think there's leaven all in it. I think there's leaven all in these things that are being promoted as truth. We better be careful what we're ingesting. Second Thessalonians chapter two. I've got it in here. I'm just going to read it. Please stay with me. Look, we're, we're nearing an hour. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying along. You know how I get, I get long and then I blast through the last three pages. That's just how it is. Second Thessalonians chapter two, man, we could read the whole chapter. Now we request you brethren. This is for all of us. With regard to the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Christ, 
and are gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure, that you may not be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or as a, or um, from a letter as if it's from us. Man, I could pull up a chair right there. What's the source of the letter, of the message, of the spirit? Seriously. This is another moment to just pause. Be careful of what you receive to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. I know this is specific to the coming of the Messiah. I know, but this is still applicable on so many levels. Let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Don't you remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? You know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. That lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure instead in wickedness. But we, we, the distinct people, the Thessalonican church, we should always give thanks to God for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and faith and truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Yeshua, the Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm. Hold to the traditions you were taught. We don't even have time to get into all of that. Traditions. Oh, I thought traditions were bad. No whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Again, the source, know your source, the spirit, the message, the letter. Now may our Lord Yeshua himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Friends, we're not above this delusion. We're not above this delusion that comes. Deception, in a general sense, even. I don't care how much Torah you know, how much Bible you can quote. I don't care how long you've been in the church, how old you are, how many times you voted Republican, what credentials you have. We're all capable of being deceived and led astray. All of us. So what seals us? What marks us? Now I've been saying, if you've been following this, and if you knew me and knew my past, you would you would understand how great of a shift this has been in my life when I say I'm coming into a, a revelation to me that the absolute mark and seal is keeping Sabbath 
and the feasts of the Lord. I believe that is like coming into view for me as being a, a, the perhaps the biggest signifier and mark and seal of being in the royal priesthood, the chosen nation, of returning to the nation of God through Yeshua Messiah, formerly Gentile, now through him returned to be the people of God. I believe that's the seal and that's the mark. But most of all, for absolute sure, we can say it is our heart. We, we are constantly training our son, he's eight and a half, about what? The Ezekiel heart exchange. The removal of the heart of flesh to put in the heart, excuse me, the heart of stone to put in the heart of flesh. In this case, flesh is good. Flesh can respond to the voice of the creator. It can feel, it can know, it can know God. So the heart is of utmost importance. The posture of our heart, the condition of our heart. The tenderness of our heart. And friends, we have all these scriptural accounts of being careful about being hard-hearted, of losing your first love reality. It's a warning all throughout the text. It would do us good to just sit back every day and say, God, if in fact we have already had the heart exchange reality, born again, born of the water, born of the spirit, we have a new heart, not just Jesus in our heart, the, the magic wand, Jesus come into a vile heart, which he cannot do. It's got to come out. It's got to have a new one placed into you that was formed and fashioned by God. I have to always say that. But if that has in fact happened, we have to continually bring that heart that is now his possession anyway. So it has to rightfully be as a living sacrifice presented to him, continuing the sacrificial system. As I said the other day, it didn't end. It shifted into a higher exalted place of saying, Lord, this is my heart because it's your heart put in me. I have to bring it to you. Search it. Know it. Try it. See if there's hardness creeping in. See if it's becoming deceitfully wicked because I know it can. So what seals us? What marks us? The heart. John six twenty six is we're nearing an end. Yeshua answered them and said, we're not going to get into the question. There's no time. Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore, they said to him, what shall we do? so that we may work the works of God. Awesome question. That's awesome for you, Messiah, Rabbi, teacher. Okay, yes. Oh, what about us? What about me? What shall I do? Yeshua answered. He probably said, hey, that's an awesome question. This is the work of God that you believe in him, me, Yeshua, whom he has sent. So they said, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe in you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. Just as it's written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And Yeshua then said, truly, truly, I say to you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread out of heaven. It's my father. He's the source who's given you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven, like him, himself, Yeshua Messiah, and he gives life to the world. Then they said, Lord, they got it in this one. Always give us this bread. 
Yeshua said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me won't hunger. He who believes in me won't thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly never cast out. For I've come down from heaven like the bread, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. We have to get this reality that manna, the bread, has come and is continually coming. For men who walk according to the Spirit, for men who daily, moment by moment, are absolutely dependent for life and sustenance and truth to come to them from heaven. Give us, give us this, this day our daily bread, our daily truth, our daily sustenance, our daily provision. Today, our best hope is that Messiah is our food. He promised living water that would never run dry. The woman at the well, this water you know not of, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. He offered his body as bread. His blood is drink. We must invite the Lord to examine the sources of our sustenance. Well, why are you talking about this for this point right here? We are eating all the time. We're ingesting information. We're ingesting ideas. We're ingesting opinions. Even from behind pulpits, even from YouTube videos from teachers, even this right here, you, you receive it, and it has to do something in your literal makeup of who you are. You will decide this is true, this is not. Even within this, everything that we see, we assess truth, 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 falsehood. And we have to do that. But we only can do that when it is brought before the king of kings. And rightly presented to him to say, what? You define what is true. You define what is true. You define what is actually bringing division and opposing you. Because something I may look at, like those men where we started, I may look at these people and say, hey, they need eradicated. They're opposing you, Messiah. Now, that's specific. They were doing things in the name, in the name of Yeshua. There are some intricacies within that, and I understand that. I'm not ignorant of that reality, but I'm saying from a general perspective, may we not be so quick to execute the judgment of God. I know truth. I know truth. I read that this morning. We may not know. We may not be right. There might be falsehood that's infiltrated our thinking because of a video we watched, because of an article that we read, because of someone that we revere said, hey, this is true. And I'm a prophet. It's in my tagline on my YouTube channel. 
I'm a prophet, you know. Truth. We need to be ones who are receiving moment by moment daily our bread, our sustenance, our living water. Our source has got to be heavenly. Oh, my gosh. If I could say that, I'm just going to click. Can you repeat that phrase for the next 20 minutes? Our source, American church, must become heavenly. It's got to become heavenly. We have become information gatherers. We just take this whole, we take some of this, 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 and we mix it all together, and we stare at it. Hmm. I believe this is true. It's dangerous. It's risky. If we're not constantly sober to remember the elect, if we would like to, if we would like to elevate, elevate ourselves to elect, I'm not elect. But if so, even those will be led astray and deceived. Friend, you have got to be careful that that could be you. I don't care who we are, what we do, what credentials we have, and even what our past says about us. We must check what the Spirit is saying. And is this, is this the voice of heaven that I'm hearing? Is this the voice of heaven? Is this the voice of the shepherd? Everything. Literally, now, I'm saying that. Please. I'm saying every single thing now must be filtered through, is this the bread of heaven that's coming down to my ears? Is this the living water that's being poured into my understanding and my thinking and then coming out of my mouth so quick? This is true. I've got to tell everyone this is true. We've got to become a people who slow down, who simmer, who fast and pray and beseech the Lord for truth. Because you nor I will possess absolute truth. And that's okay. Because you know what? Then we're dependent. Because if we're not, we are walking in the garden of God again. Maybe even intimate with him. And a word comes to us and guess what it says? Hey, come here. Do you know you can possess absolute truth? Did you know that? You don't need him. You don't need manna from heaven. You don't need the bread of life. You are awesome. You can know absolute truth in yourself. Have a bite. And I'm telling you, that is the simple fact of where it begins. Why? Because it's the pattern of humanity and the pattern of the enemy whose devices have ne- who, his devices, his tactics have never changed. It's the same. May we be alert and aware to the tactics of the enemy of an enticing, inviting, agreeable word that, ooh, ha, that looks good. That agrees with what I'm already thinking. Isn't that interesting? No. Manna from heaven coming through the sun, who Holy Spirit now speaks to us through us what is true. As I said on my Facebook this morning, instead of being fascinated with the ongoings of the visible realm, train yourself today to be a spiritual man. It takes training. You realize that. I don't care if you're 65 years old and like very mature. You need training. I for sure need training, practicing, discipline. Deny yourself. 
Take up your cross and follow the Messiah, the bread of life. In him alone, there will be unity and peace. It is in him. He's not the problem. The, he, we're prophesied and promised a one-man reality. This will come. It's us. We prohibit its coming. We fight its advancing in division. There will be unity and peace. It is coming, but not as the world gives. Mindsets of earth. Church, please stop arrogantly advancing the division and hatred that this age is declaring from every rooftop. We've got to look different. We've got to look different. Now, I'm in no way, man, if you knew me, you would say, oh, Joel, I know. Oh, love everybody. Come on. If we just all loved more, everything would be a utopian reality. No way. It has to look like something, but it has to look like the pattern of the Messiah. Hard word. Line. Whoa, there's a line. But it's it's inclusion. It's inclusion. A shift in perspective, a greater heavenly perspective. The church, sadly, I would say, is looking more and more like the world with each passing hour. Self-exaltation. We, we have it all figured out. And if you're not like us, see ya. But it doesn't have to remain that way. It doesn't have to remain that way for us. I believe we can still undo it in humility, repentance, and lowliness. Remembering our first love reality of who we were and who we We must all cry out, Lord, search me, try me, know me. Look, I'm not worried about Bill over here right now. I'm not going to, oh, look, oh, I can't look away from all the stuff he's doing. Do you believe how vile he is? Lord, help him. Start with me. Start right here, God. Break me. Mold me. Fashion me into an instrument of your glory. Me. None of us hold absolute truth. None. None of us. Remember that when you when you give yourself to news and to prophets and to teachers and to preachers. Man, don't exalt someone to a place they do not deserve and don't put it on them. Don't put them up there for their own good, for their safety. Don't make the Lord lay them low in a place that maybe they don't have to be because you exalt them and they need brought down. Hold them rightly. Respect, honor. Yes, but rightly. Vessels of clay. Vessels of clay. Don't be unwilling to first admit you Maybe the one who's wrong. I'm telling you, if I I am convinced, and then I'm almost done. I am thoroughly convinced that if the the church, the church, every denomination we can come up with, every movement, every revival, whether you got cool, awesome, hip clothes and you're in a mega church with smoke and lights and lasers, or you're in the hillbilly church down the road from me right here where there's 12 of you and the whole room smells like a funeral home. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, imagine if the church first started saying, you know what? The church is full of flaws. The church is full of error. Forgive us. Forgive me. Forgive me. 
for being so arrogant, for putting myself above you as if I'm any better because I received a gift. Does a gift make you better, friend? If someone gives you a car today, does that make you better than that person that can't buy a car? Does that exalt you to some high and lofty place because you've got a nice car? If in fact it was gifted to you and you're completely undeserving and you did nothing to earn it, you're the recipient of a gift. We have to know that is our identity. Our identity is we have been gifted eternal life, abundant here and now life to be the people of God. And it is not ours to possess or to flaunt or to wield as a sword. It is a gift from God handed to us undeserved people. So let's be careful when we want to move out and eradicate justice against all of God's enemies when in fact there, there are for sure those within this that we call enemies that he's marked to come into his nation. Just like in the chosen. Man, when when uh, Peter is, is looking at Matthew, man, do you know who he is, Messiah? He's a tax collector. Do you know how vile he is? When the Pharisees are looking at Yeshua sitting at the table, what did they say to him? Do you know who you're eating with? Do you know who these people are? Do you know whose house you're sitting in? What did Yeshua said, say? Oh, yeah, you know, I know it, too. You want to come in? Vile, wretched man, you want to come in here, too? You're invited. You know what? The church today has not been that way. We've not been like Yeshua in that way. We've not. If anybody would argue that point with me, I would I would talk about that in defense until I lost my voice, because the church that I've known has been an arrogant, prideful, self-centered people. She's been Babylon and she's exalting herself. She's being made great. And I'm telling you right here, right now, and I believe this is a prophetic word and I didn't even think I was going to go here, but I'm going to. And then we're going to be done. I believe it's time for America to be laid low. I believe her Babylonian endeavors are time. It's time for them to die. I believe it's time for the Babylonian church to be laid low. And so we have to be careful that we're not fighting against the prophesied word of God that comes that every kingdom of men will be laid low before the lamb can come and return and rightly wield his sword of justice out of his mouth, not in his hand now, out of his mouth. I believe it's time for the kingdoms of men to admit we've been like the days of Noah. We've been like the Garden of Eden. We have been like the Tower of Babel. And it's time we admit we have built our own kingdoms. And it's time to lower ourselves in dust and ashes and say, you know what? Apart from the gift of God, we have no good thing. So I have no right to exalt myself over you or any other. Why? Because apart from Messiah... I am a vile, wretched man. Everything I am is because of his awesome glory extended to a vessel of clay like me. So let's come out. Let's be separate. Let's be distinct. Let's be Emmanuel. Here and now, today, much is yet to be determined for us because he who endures to the end is the one who's going to be saved. A lot is in the not yet. Could the church, could you, is it possible that I myself 
could be an opponent of the king that I serve? Yes. We need a shift in our perspective. We need a shift in our perspective to just have the the will to say, you know what? I've screwed up. There's error in me. Lord, be glorified in this man who's striving to walk in your ways, who's striving to keep your commands, who's striving to proclaim that, Lord, you are enthroned upon every principality and power and every other thing. I will no longer exalt myself or a nation. I will exalt you. I'm pledging allegiance to one. One. My allegiance is set. I will not be God's opponent to the best of my ability and continually go to him and say, maybe I am. Search me and know me. Try me. See if there is a wicked way, which is what? Opposition to your will. See if I oppose you, O great God. And I'm telling you, oh my gosh, if the church could do this. If the church could follow in the way of the Messiah, the whole world would change. We would see the Acts church again. We would see first, second, third century church again. Keeping the feasts, honoring the Sabbath, pursuing the ancient way, unbelievably accepted into the chosen royal priesthood. That church people would want to be a part of. That church people would flock to see. They would flock to see that, friend. They will not come to the arrogant, prideful American church. Why would they? They shouldn't want it because it's not the way of the Messiah. So may we be careful. May we at least in absolute closing, please at least step back and consider God. In any way, am I unknowingly now in my zeal, in my passion, in my desire for truth? Actually, your opponent. Am I in any way opposing your will and your way? And if I am, oh God, shift my perspective. I want to eat the manna that comes from heaven. I want to be a spiritual man who has the perspective of the Father. And I speak what I hear him say, and I do what I see him doing. It's possible for us. It's possible. So be encouraged. There's hope for us, friends. There's hope for me. There's hope for the church. It's not too late for us. But it's going to take an outpouring of a spirit and clean, sacred, set apart, consecrated vessels with a yielded will who will be able to receive the, the outpouring of his spirit in this prophesied age that I believe, man, it's just right there. It's just right on the other side. You can find it, friend. We're going to find it. In faith, I believe we can find it. So be encouraged. Go to pathdesign.com. Click here. Click here. Go there. Go here. Share this if you think this is true at all. If you don't, that's fine. Throw it away and never come back. 
But if you think this is right, go to pathdesign.com, share this video on your Facebook. I believe the path of humility has got to go out to the church. May we be laid low so that the king is rightly exalted. Amen.